Howdy folks, welcome back to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and there are going to be spoilers on this 123rd episode as I talk about Justice League of America 46, the 1960 volume. But before that, should you choose to get in touch with me, well, not before I talk about that stuff, but just in general, you can do so on Twitter at Teal Productions, Teal, like the color, T-E-A-L. Lords of Order has a Facebook page. Leave comments. The Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. And bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate, the website. Should you choose to send an email or leave a comment on the episode when it gets posted. Now, on uh, Twitter and Facebook, I always post when the episodes go up. So those are the two places. If you don't subscribe, go ahead and subscribe. Are the places to... Um, to find the show. Actually, on Twitter, I also, when I post the episode, I post the RSS feed. That way you can just grab it and subscribe just right from there. You don't have to go to that unholy contraption called uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts now is what it's called. All right. August 1966 is the cover date for our book, and the story is Crisis Between Earth 1 and Earth 2. And it comes to us from Gardner Fox, scripter, Mike Sadowski, penciler, Sid Green, inker, uh, colorer, Gaspar Saladino, letterer. And you can find it reprinted in Justice League of America Archives 6, cover dated 2000. Crisis on Multiple Earths, cover dated 2002. Showcase presents Justice League of America number 3, cover dated 2008. Justice League of America, the Silver Age Omnibus number 2. Cover dated 2016 and Crisis on Multiple Earths number one, crossing over. Cover dated 2021, April of last year. Now on our cover, we have a scene of, okay, a big dude punching Wildcat through the O in POW, which is over top the head of Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy, who is, sorry, that's always what I hear from the cartoon, I think that was. Uh, maybe the Green Lantern cartoon? I'm not sure who he was, but he was southern-voiced. and Yeah, so, uh, over the head of Solomon Grundy, who threw the O in suck, is punching Batman, who is landing on Sandman uh, with a thud. And our narrator tells us, the battle marathon that turns the universe inside out. Batman, Sandman, Wildcat, plus seven more superheroes versus Solomon Grundy, Blockbuster, Anti-Matter Man. Too overwhelming to be shown on this cover. Uh, Anti-Matter Man is not, yeah. So we open up and the first page is a picture of Earth. Um, I don't know. Well, it doesn't say. We'll say Earth 1 in the upper left, Earth 2 on the lower right, Space filling everything in between. In between the Earths stands the Antimatter Man, who is colored half dark tone, half light bluish white, very light blue. The pupils of his eyes are different. The color of the sclera of the eye is different. He's wearing an orange jumpsuit and a big belt with a, a black jewel in it. Now, from Stretching from the upper left to the lower right, in between the two Earths, are our 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 heroes. From Earth 1 to Earth 2 is, and they're, they're connected, they're like helping push each other or pull each other, or they're, they're forming a chain one way or another. Hawkman, Green Lantern, Earth 1, 
Flash Earth 1, Batman Earth 1, Black Canary Earth 1. Uh, I believe that's the Hawkman of Earth 1 as well. Dr. Midnight Earth 2, Dr. Fate Earth 2, Wildcat Earth 2, Sandman Earth 2, and Spectre Earth 2. Right? Justice League, Roll Call, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman. Yeah. Uh, Justice Society, Roll Call, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Dr. Midnight, Sandman, Spectre, and Wildcat. Our narrator tells us, hurtling toward collision, destruction with each other are Earth 1 and Earth 2. Striding toward those Earths comes another world-shattering menace from the antimatter universe. As if this isn't enough, you know what's now happening on Earth 1 and Earth 2? Sheer disaster in the persons of Blockbuster and Solomon Grundy. But we can't go on. You'll have to read all about it for yourself. Our nerves are too badly shattered because we already know what's going to take place in the crisis between Earth 1 and Earth 2. We open with Hawkman flying, trying to capture an Acme Furs company truck that is barreling down the road. I'm supposing that the truck has been stolen, or perhaps it is being used to transport stolen merchandise. It's in disguise. They drive into a fog bank, and as Hawkman flies through the fog bank, when the fog thins out, it is an armored vehicle with somebody that is shooting at him is what he runs into. He continues to um, pursue the now armored vehicle, assuming that somehow the fur truck he was chasing, which was a big box truck, turned into this armored truck, uh, flies down, subdues the men with a mace and a thock in the jaw and a clunk sock in the nose. Meanwhile, the in his uh, sand car, yes, in his sand car, Sandman is hurtling after an armored truck, um, which suspiciously, no, it doesn't. It's a different color. But uh, driving through these, the, uh, well, similar fog bank, presumably the same fog bank actuality, the armored vehicle turns into a Acme First Company box truck, which the Sandman manages to run off the road. The ne'er-do-wells jump out of the truck to do some hand-to-hand with Sandman, who, using his special gun, creates a melted sand wall that is impenetrable. He walks up, reduces the sand. He used the wall as as an opportunity to get closer to the men while they were shooting at him with their their gats and their sawed-off shotguns. But he gets close enough now, and he touches the wall, and it just falls into sand, and he's close enough to punch the two men. But before doing that, he uses the gun, his special gun, and encapsulates everybody's hands in uh, glass handcuffs, in, in balls of glass, so they're not able to wield their guns anymore. A fist to the mouth with a sock knocks them out. <coughs> Excuse me. Hawkman and Sandman are not the only crime fighters wondering what strange force has come upon their normal, orderly worlds. For instance, at this moment on Earth 2, we have Dr. Midnight who jumps after a couple guys that are, looks like they're trying to rob a bank. And Dr. Midnight grabs his. Now, this is something I had never seen before. Not that that's necessarily surprising. But uh, his Cyrotuber, C-Y-R-O-T-U-B-E-R, Cyrotuber, which emits a, a ray that befuddles the men. 
kind of confuses them. And then Dr. Midnight uh, drops a blackout bomb, which of course makes everything dark. He has the ability to see in the, the deepest, darkest of uh, situations, but normal people don't. Using his gun again, he hits somebody with a liquid nitrogen capsule from the gun, which freezes the get that they have in their hand, allowing it to not choose. But then, uh, choose? Shoot. But then all of a sudden, he starts whirling around and whirling and whirling, and then he is stopped with hands on the shoulders by the Flash, although it is Earth-1 Flash. So somehow, via this whirling, one would presume, which Dr. Midnight doesn't whirl, so it's not known where this whirling started or why, but the whirling transported him from Earth-2 to Earth-1, and the Flash of Earth-1 ran into him and stopped him from twirling around. He, he recognizes Dr. Midnight, so all was cool then. Meanwhile, elsewhere on Earth-1, Batman is attempting to subdue some jewel thieves, it looks like, and there's an abrupt moment of intense cold, of dizziness, and out of nowhere comes a flying fist, and Batman just barely avoids it. It grazes him. And then when his head clears and he, he sees, he sees that he is fighting uh, mono, a mono wildcat from Earth 2. So somehow wildcat got transported to Earth 1 uh, in the vicinity of Batman. And he and Batman are now together. Elsewhere around the world, uh, people are disappearing and being replaced by either their Earth 1 or Earth 2 counterparts, whichever way it goes. Uh, same thing happens to Black Canary. She loses people that she's chasing because they are transported to Earth 1 and or Earth 2. I'm sorry, they're transported to Earth 2. And the, or wait a minute, let me see here. Da, 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 da. No, no. Black Canary is chasing some people through the marshes and she is transported mysteriously to Earth 1 because Green Lantern rescues her when they find that she's there. The Spectre, meanwhile, is neither on Earth-1 or Earth-2, although he lives on Earth-2. Um, he is out walking amongst the wilds of space, and he sees in the distance, uh, or he um, is pulled from the distance like a column of smoke would be pulled by like a vacuum or pushed by the wind. You know how it has definite shape, but then that shape starts to deteriorate and it starts to trail out, kind of nebulize. Okay, that's what's happening to the happening to the form of the specter without his power, without his knowledge, without him having anything to do with it other than just being victimized by the the physics of what is occurring. Um, orbiting Earth 2 is Solomon Grundy, having been put in orbit in a emerald sphere by the combined power of Green Lantern and Dr. Fate. Way back in Showcase issue, the first volume of Showcase issue 55, which I talked about on episode 112 of the show. So if you want to go back to that and listen again, or listen, if you haven't listened to it previously, the um, that actually is pretty close, if not the first episode of my post uh, Golden Age coverage of of the of Doctor uh, Fate. I covered all of his actual and retconned and uh, uh, yeah appearances in the Golden Age. And when they finished up, I took a break and then restarted again chronologically. And the first of the next 
age, which I guess would be silver, or at the very least non-golden age appearances, was in that issue of Showcase. If all of that makes sense. I explained what I did much better in the show. I'm tired. I've been recording all day today, and it's wearing me down. But that's okay, because we have a book to continue here. So Solomon Grundy um, absorbs the the energy of the bubble and Dr. Fate's magic, which weakens his containment cell, but also allows him the strength to break out of it. So it's kind of a double whammy. And so previously, where he was in orbit around Earth 2, he now is probably going to plummet to Earth 2. Moving through, we have a, what is this? A Caps Hobby Hints ad from, uh, or no, it's a direct Currents talking about the other books that are coming out this month. That's cool. The Policeman is Your Friend ad, which I'm sure would be in <laughs> much question by a lot of folks today. The narrator tells us to face a desperate challenge from some unknown force or adversary. The displaced members of the Justice Society gather with the involved Justice Leaguers in the Earth One Secret Sanctuary. Disbelief and grim determination etch their faces with furrowed fury as the realization bursts on them that they have no clues at all to the solution of this mysterious menace. And we have Flash, Dr. Midnight, and Hawkman of Earth-1 standing here, because we're on Earth-1. And coming in is Green Lantern and Black Canary of Earth-2. So, as this is the Black Canary of Earth-2, does that mean that this is the mother? Right, because her daughter became the Black Canary of Earth One, I believe, if if my history is correct. So the mom apparently has come out of retirement because I thought she retired and is hanging around with the Justice Society of Earth Two. If if I, and I'm I may have my history uh, horribly wrong, and if I do, you know, somebody correct me. But that seems kind of odd, kind of like the mixing of Ray Palmer, Adam, and Robin Hood hat. Green Arrow in the Incarnations book. Uh, I, I think that's, as far as timeline goes, that's rather incongruous. But when I first noted that, noticed that, I, I should have done a little bit of research to see, but I failed to. Uh, there's plenty of you out there that know instantly, and should you really want me to know, you'll let me know. I understand. So, Dr. Midnight, Green Lantern, Flash, Hawkman, and Black Canary are all puzzling, trying to wonder what the heck is going on. They hear a newsflash. And the news flash corresponds to Earth One, where we see Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy is not a member; is not a, a, a he does not live on Earth One. He lives on Earth Two. Hmm. So when he broke loose, he did not fall to Earth Two. He fell to Earth One, and he is wrecking havoc through the swamp, through local houses, through traffic, through police, looking for, screaming for Green Lantern. Now, on Earth Two in Gotham City, in the basement areas of the Alfred Memorial Foundation, Blockbuster is breaking loose and disappearing before the eyes of, mm, doesn't say the doctor here that is observing, and he emerges in a swamp in Earth 2. So Earth 1's Blockbuster has been transported to Earth 2. Earth 2's Solomon Grundy has been transported to Earth 1, along with other peoples and along with some of our heroes. Now, the editor takes a moment to tell us, Thus, our superheroes of Earth-1 are about to be challenged by only one mammoth monster. But what an adversary Solomon Grundy is going to be. For imprisoned in the globe of striped magic yellow bands and power green 
Power Ring Green Band. He has absorbed some of Dr. Fate's powers as well as those of Green Lantern. Editor note, if you haven't read it, you're out of luck. But if you can beg, borrow, or buy a copy of Showcase 55, you can still thrill to Solomon Grundy Goes on a Rampage. I already dropped that hint. Elsewhere on Earth 1, uh, Ivy Town to be exact, Ray Palmer is getting a Justice League signal, but the controls to his Atom, A-T-O-M, Atom, not Atom, sorry, his Atom, Atom, uniform uh, is not working, so he cannot change to the Atom. All he can do is stay and assist Enrichetta Negrini in her greatest experiment, which I believe she is a student of his. So we cut to Solomon Grundy, where we see Hawkman, Green Lantern, Flash, Dr. Midnight, and Black Canary attack to, well, maybe maybe attack is too strong a word. They're going to attempt to subdue him, but I'm sorry, they're attacking him. Solomon Grundy, though, is a lot stronger uh, than what they're used to. He, he beats off the attacks of Green Lantern. He knocks out Black Canary. Uh, she... Once again, uh, this must be something that only the mother has done. I guess the daughter hasn't done this. I'll break a pellet of paralysis powder from my amulet. So, did Mama Black Canary ever have the sonic scream, or did she rely on these things that she carried on her in her amulet? And daughter Black Canary is the only one with the sonic scream, and she moved from Earth 2 to Earth 1. Somebody update me on that so I don't have to do the legwork. But she releases this power a powder. She blows it at Solomon Grundy, and he immediately realizes, I guess, in getting power, he got a little bit smarter, too. Uh, he blows the powder back with much stronger wind, much stronger lungs, because he's semi-fate, semi-Green Lantern powered on top of his own power. Flash runs up uh, to try to subdue Solomon Grundy, especially now since he is towering over a, an unconscious Black Canary. He's not able to. He... Um, whips up enough wind to start throwing surrounding material at Solomon Grundy. But as he approaches Solomon Grundy, Grundy makes this motion like to, to wave him off, and a, a force repels Flash. So as fast as he's running forward, it propels him backwards. Quickly, he just settles in with that and realizes, well, hopefully this will carry me backwards all the way around the planet, and I can hit... Grundy from behind with the force and the type of attack I was going to hit him from the front. Just as he gets there, Solomon Grundy turns around and grabs him and lifts him up in the air. Midnight, uh, Dr. Midnight, pulls his, um, whatever he called that gun. I didn't write it down and I for forgot the name. But he's going to attempt to anesthetize Solomon Grundy with a laser beam. I didn't. I didn't really know you could use laser beams for that. But even more remarkable, the beam hits Grundy and spreads out, at which point Grundy grabs the energy and flings it to the ground. <laughs> so it turns into the, it like coalesces into this, this touchable mass of energy that Grundy throws down and everybody scatters because it would have knocked him out. But if it touches anyone else, it will kill them because they're just regular humans. Hawkman flying by grabs Grundy by the hair and lifts him up off the ground by the hair. So this is a two, three, four hundred pound zombie dude imbued with the powers in some part 
of Green Lantern and Dr. Fate, Hawkman grabs him by the hair and lifts him off the ground. Yeah, I was like, wow. Why wouldn't his scalp have just torn right off? But he flies away with him, beseeches uh, Green Lantern to help him. Uh, they have some unspoken plan, uh, you know, that they have formulated. So Green Lantern makes with the Arabian rug uh, light for Dr. Midnight Flash and Black Canary. Okay, now here in this panel, it looks like Black Canary almost is wearing a headband, but she isn't in the other panels. Hmm. Uh, so they all jump on board. Um, Green Lantern flies them close enough that they start to pummel and batter. And in Dr. Midnight's case, uh, Ray Gunn, Solomon Grundy, until he's, he's stunned. Um, looks like maybe he's stunned unto unconsciousness. Still flying with him, although he has shifted his grasp to the, the scruff of the neck collar of his outfit that Hawkman is now carrying Solomon Grundy by. Again, supporting two, three, four hundred pounds of man. The the clothing doesn't rip away or what? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just I'm thinking too hard about this. I guess so. Uh, such is Silver Age books. You know, they they make sense to a point, uh, and then a lot of times they just totally do not. Which is fine. Uh, that's I'm not downing it for that. That makes things a little funny, a little lighter. You know, again, as I have spoken. Uh, about different from contemporary books that, you know, everything has to be real. The physics have to make sense. And, you know, we all we all have to pretend the same way. Yeah. No, we don't. You can't tell me I'm pretending wrong. It's pretend. So, uh, Green Lantern opens up a chasm in a nearby mountain into which they throw Solomon Grundy and close the crevice uh, about around above him. Cutting to the specter, he noticed something going on in the far distance of the, you know, universe, of the multiverse, of the whatever. And he approached it and has found the character that was on the cover that will turn out to be, uh, if we're not told here, uh, well, he says he's, uh, specter says it's a, a being that comes from the antimatter universe. It's what the cover called the antimatter man. And he realizes that something has to be done because he's, approaching the vicinity of Earth. And so he hauls off and punches the dude. And that's the end of that uh, that chapter. Um, we cut to the next chapter, and we see that his arm and fist have been reduced to, like, T-Rex foreleg size, uh, compared particularly to the other hand, which hasn't touched Antimatter Man. Uh, Antimatter Man strikes him back, and all of a sudden his head blows up to like three times the size of the rest of his body. He looks kind of like a Pop Funko, if you will. And then he smacks him on top of the Antimatter Man, smacks the Spectre on top of the head, and the head is a little bit smaller, but more importantly, it has forced his legs up into his body. So now you've got this big head, normal-sized torso and left arm, Many derpy right arm, um, waist, and no legs, just feet on the bottom of his body. Very funny-looking figure. And the antimatter man just walks around and keeps on moseying uh, to the vicinity of Earth. Although now, when the specter turns around and looks, he sees Earth 1 and Earth 2 approaching each other. And so, uh, on, on every level in the DC cosmos, that is not supposed to be possible. But... Spectre visualizes them, which means they're both in the same 
time-space, which means if they come in contact, that probably the whole universe will be destroyed, actually. So he runs over, and to keep them separate, he does a, uh, a plank uh, maneuver with his feet on one planet and his hands on the other, and he's laid out un unto doing a plank. Back on Earth-1? Uh, no. On Earth 2, yes, we have Batman, Dr. Fate, Sandman, and Wildcat scrying. And they are scrying looking for Earth 1 or looking for their missing compadres from Earth 2 or looking for anything to explain what's going on. But all of those doors and windows are closed. Uh, Dr. Fate cannot see through to into anything like that. They get a news report that they overhear and go to check it out, and it is Blockbuster Run Amuck. So Dr. Fate, Sandman, and Wildcat all take their shots. Turns out that Bruce Wayne, not Batman, but Bruce Wayne can quell the savage beast just by he seeing the face of Bruce Wayne, because at some point in the past, Bruce Wayne has rescued him. Um, so only Bruce Wayne and Blockbuster's brother are able to control Blockbuster. Um, just occurred to me, is this the blockbuster that turns out to be part of the group that is a Titan's menace with his sister? Somebody let me know. Uh, Wildcat, m no effect. Blockbuster smacks him away, but unfortunately propels Wildcat into the uncowled, unmasked Bruce Wayne and knocks him out. So Wildcat and Batman are stunned. Sandman approaches with his wonder gun and surrounds and encapsulates Blockbuster in shatterproof glass, but of course Blockbuster says A-A-R-R-G-G-H-R -R -G -G and breaks out of the cubicle of unbreakable glass. Um, in the process, did he... Yeah, in the process, looks like he stunned Sandman as well. So now that only leaves Dr. Fate. The entire point of this podcast here we go. So Dr. Fate comes up, shoots, zaps, you know, puts the whammy on Blockbuster. Blockbuster just absorbs it, tries another spell, and Dr. Fate finds out that Blockbuster has the power to convert my magic kinetic energies into some type of power that he himself can utilize. And we see him grasping this energy nimbus of pinkish reddish energy that he then slings at Dr. Fate. Overpowering me with my own magic aura, Dr. Fate says, as he is hit and driven back by this energy. Can't move. My body seems caught in a spell. Blockbuster grabs Fate, slings him around like um, he's trying to separate the wheat and the chaff. Bruce Wayne has woken up and gets Blockbuster's attention says, I'm Bruce Wayne. You remember me? I saved your life in a quicksand bog. And the face, apparently, um, Blockbuster has ex excellent uh, facial recognition acuity, even though he doesn't seem very bright because all he's doing is making like Hulk noises and not even smart, smart Hulk noises. Uh, the the no-banner-involved Hulk noises. He grabs Bruce and gives him a big old man hug. Or I guess maybe in this case it's a bear hug I, because he's big and strong. I don't know. He is kind of furry. So, Oh, no. Never mind. We won't talk about that kind of bear. So everyone else is awake. Uh, they've recovered from their modicum of uh, knockouty injuries. 
and Blockbuster has been subdued by a now uncowled, unmasked Batman, who everyone sees as Bruce Wayne. However, they are on Earth 2 and not on Earth 1, which is good because on Earth 1 or on Earth 2, there is no Batman, right? And Batman is not Bruce Wayne, right? And there is no Bruce Wayne on Earth 2, right? So, I mean, this is a pretty important revelation, even though they just poo-poo it off. I, Okay, so again, I guess, you know, for story, doesn't apply to this one, we'll worry about that. Somebody will bring it up later. I mean, I do know at some point that Batman dies on Earth 2. Spoiler. Uh, is he dead yet? I mean, is he already dead? I, I'm not sure, again, in the big chronology of things. So uh, we cut back to Ray Palmer, who is still not able to do anything. <laughs> Poor Adam. Um, Antimatter Man is getting closer and closer to the Spectre. The Spectre is starting to, you know, tremble and succumb to the forces that are being exerted upon his person by the two encroaching worlds of Earth 1 and Earth 2. Uh, our narrator tells us here on the, let's see, last, yeah, on the last panel, you do not dare miss the concluding chapters of this tale of terrific forces which pit superheroes against the grim giants of Earth-1 and Earth-2, against the dread danger of antimatter man, against the coming crush of two worlds which will mean the utter destruction of mankind. Is there anything the Justice League and Justice Society members can do to prevent the absolute end of everything? Amazing answers. Next issue. Well, because they're not ending their book, one would assume that they must come up with something, right? Because we we know uh, in reflection upon reflection that the book does not end. Uh, I guess people then may have thought, you know, wow, they're going to end up. Who? I'm not sure what folks would have thought in what 1966. Uh, that was two years before I was even born, so I can't can't speak much to the nature of the world two years before I existed. Kind of tough. Okay, so there is where that half of the 1966 team-up between the Justice League of America and the Justice Society of America story is. I like, um, as we have talked about, what, one, two, three, and this is the fourth crossover. Uh, there are some characters that have been in each. Um, Dr. Fate, obviously, has been in each of these, but I this may have been each of the crossovers, but I know moving forward that there are several crossovers that the that Doctor Fate does not appear in. So, but uh, similar characters, if not the same, you know, there's the the same characters. Fifty to seventy five percent of the characters repeat, but that other twenty five is cool because it brings in both Justice League and Justice Society members. To uh, one, if it's Justice League, you know, hopefully to, to catch your favorite, but two, Justice Society to introduce you to these characters that I don't believe at this time you're really able to see anywhere else. Um, the um, what's its Facebook All Star Comics All Star book, whichever book uh, the Justice Society got their start in it. No, in the '60s it hasn't restarted yet. I don't think it restarts until like in the late 70s or early 80s. So this may be about the only place that you're seeing Justice Society at this point. Again, somebody out there has a perfect memory for this stuff. You will remind me, tell me, educate me, whichever, let me know. It's cool. I'll pass on any gleans of information as they apply to what I have spoken or misspoken about. 
no harm, no foul. I have no ego in these things to care whether you correct me or not. It doesn't matter. Just be civil. All right. Next issue, Justice League of America, the 1960 volume issue 47. I'll talk to you guys then. Ciao.